The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the O3C Podcast, coming to you from O3C Games. My name's Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by Chris Dow. Other bookmarks? And Minty Booth. The Red Wall is coming. (laughs) And we are chatting about our favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! Thank you to everyone that entered our share an article from our website Win a Copy of Back for Blood competition. It is time to announce a winner, and the winner is... Oh! That's good. I was going to put a drum roll in, but that's even better. Twitter user at VAH Games, or VAR Games, depending on how you like to pronounce that, or Vargames, uh, it could be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you profess yourself to be an avid gamer, lover of technology, and helper of people, and uh, that's the sort of uh, person we're very glad to have won this competition. So congratulations, and thank you for sharing an article from our website to your followers. You are the recipient of a copy of Back for Blood on Steam, and an invitation to join for a live streaming session playing with us we'll be in touch with you about how to claim a prize and to arrange the deets of our co-op streaming session and we very much look forward to that now that the competition is over please don't let that stop you reading our articles on our website o3c.games and sharing them on your social media platforms please also don't let it stop you engaging with us on social media as well Uh-oh. oh christ <laughs> we are at o3c games on everything We're fast approaching the end of this current season, and we will be in a state of flux while we figure out what the future of the show looks like and how we can continue. So if you want to support us in that, head over to o3c.games slash support, where you can find details on how you can do that, either through sharing the podcast, giving us a one-off donation via PayPal, or by checking out our Patreon page, pledging a few monies a month, and joining us on our Discord server, All these things will help us if we want to continue the podcast and grow it going forward. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers as well as online at Target, Micro Center, Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, or shop directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. So, this week, it's Chris's Amendment. Hello. You're going to be putting a new game in your list, taking a game out. It could be anything. Well, it's likely to be something that you've played in the last three years and told us about already. Probably. But uh, (laughs) we're going to have to wait and find out what that is, because we're going to kick it off, as we always do, with a round of golf. No, we're not. We're going to chat about what we've been playing this week. And Chris, why don't you kick us off? What have you played this week? I have carried on with Babylon's Fall that I mentioned last week. And I said last week, a little jokingly, that I felt it could have been like a 5 out of 10 Balan Wonderworld tier contender. But I've played it for like 15 hours or so this half-term week from school. Jesus. And I'm happy to up that to at least a 7 out of 10, with room for probably further improvement, if given a few tweaks. Wow. I, I really like it. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> it absolutely nails the pacing and loop of something like Fancy Star Online that I mentioned. Oh, yeah. And... Now that I've got maybe a third of the game stages available, I'm managing to get into parties pretty consistently, which makes everything much more fun as well, because the grind against like big enemies is essentially halved with every additional player you've got. 
because it's not just you there smacking them upside the head with your ghostly satchel. You've got other people doing it as well. Communication and matchmaking is still the game's weakest point by a long margin, but it's now rare that I can't match with at least one other person, and it really does make a tangible difference to the fun of the whole thing. Everything I mentioned before that was a bit weak, like the visuals are still as they are, they are last, last gen stuff. <laughs> and I can't remember if I mentioned last week that the game tries to apply a sort of oil painting filter to all of this action. Mm. And every once in a while, it can look quite stylish. But most of the time, it just looks really smeary and soft, which is quite jarring for a native PS5 game. <laughs> the presentation in general is just a bit hit and miss across the whole thing, really. Like the cutscenes, the voice acting, the overall narrative. It all has odd highs here and there, but there are plenty of lows. But it's the back and forth rhythm of actually playing the game that has made me want to pick it up for an hour each day. It's just simple and satisfying because you've got that loop of having a hub area to gear up and then you jump into a stage, you fight through and then you up gear with all the found loot you have. And it's just that satisfying kind of round and round in the same way that Diablo can be. Yeah. And, you know, combat is flashy and crunchy. The music, despite a lot of the other presentation being a bit weak, the music is really good, really exemplary, and it makes big encounters feel suitably reverent. The boss designs are frequently really, really cool. Like There's lots of good stuff in there. It's just a real shame that it's buried under like a cups-on-strings sub-Nintendo level online framework <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah. also this kind of confused art style and direction. Now, it's not a free-to-play game, is it? No, it isn't. But it's still got microtransactions. It does have microtransactions. It does have the, the seasonal pass to unlock cosmetic stuff. Yeah. And with all that in tow, it's a shame that the game has essentially been just shipped out to be dead on arrival because it doesn't have a community to sustain that kind of model. Because whether or not I'm wearing a shiny hat doesn't really matter if there's only 15 other people playing to see that hat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think the core of the game, it deserves a lot better. With a few revisions to the way you get into and out of games, with kind of a bit more ability to actually communicate with people outside of just emoticons, essentially, I think it could be really special. Because at the moment, it does feel like a, a flawed gem. But it definitely gets my seal of approval. The Platinum Trophy list on the PlayStation as well is not that difficult, I don't think, in terms of like the time that you need to commit to it. So I'm, I'm interested to see if it sort of sustains me long enough to get to that point, because I am having fun at the moment. Sticking loosely to the theme of live service games, I've started playing Chocobo GP again, because um, it's just started its, its second season. Of course. And in my opinion, they've now fixed every single thing people complained about at launch hmm. to make it really worth picking up on the cheap if you see the physical copy somewhere. The original one had, like we've just said, for, for Babylon's Fall, a Battle Pass season thing. And I think in Chocobo, for that first season, it had like 200 levels to work through. And you got rewards like characters or cosmetics or coins or, or new cars. And they were rolled out every three or four levels. And for each level, you needed 1,600 of the game's experience points to progress. So it would mean that every kind of like two or three races, you might go up a level. And doing the maths, you can see that obviously you were expected to play an awful lot of the game to make progress. And that's why people felt kind of so aggrieved by the fact it has these microtransactions to speed you along. And I mean, I played that first season for 20 or so hours. I got to level 70, I think, before I just gave up. And it's been fixed. Mm. It has been fixed for this one. So they've, they've basically taken the battle pass. They've cut it to just 20 levels. After an hour or two of racing yesterday, I'm at level 12 or 13, I think, and I'll likely get every single reward before the weekend is finished. It used to have these daily missions as well that would grant kind of coins to spend in a different part of the store, and people whinged about how long it took to kind of grind for the coins you needed, because you got a pretty paltry amount no matter what you achieved. 
And again, that's been changed as well. They've basically boosted the payouts of any missions you do by a factor of 10. And it means that last season, for instance, the, the character Squall from Final Fantasy VIII cost 9,000 coins to unlock. And it took me the best part of those 20 hours to get those 9,000 coins. And again, by completing all the available missions just yesterday, I got about 6,000 coins. Well done, you. <laughs> Meaning that, again, the grind has been cut exponentially. And it's now not that tough to just sweep the store clean with just like casual play over a week or two. And essentially, I think it's exactly how it should have been before, with the long-term grind being there for people that want to play it for ranking, not just who want to unlock a nice hat or, or costume or character. It may sound like this is all pretty boring and just a splurge of numbers that I'm talking about, but it goes to show, I think, along with a bunch of other mechanical tweaks and, and new tracks and characters that have been stuffed into this season as well, that it is possible for developers to pivot and turn around with live service games. And... I feel I was quite upfront before in saying how much I loved Chocobo GP for its actual racing and design and said that there was a real fuck ton of content to enjoy, even if you never intended to actually take it online. But with these little changes to the format and the core of the GP mode itself, I think this is now just a great racer all in, like caveats totally lifted. And I don't want to defend the way it launched because, you know, I've always been a proponent of the game, but I did say at the time that the monetization was grubby, even if I was able to kind of ignore it. But in the here and now, in season two and beyond, I really don't see it as an issue. And I hope some of the people that kind of enjoyed it early doors and then were really turned off when it kind of went live properly might go back and, and play it some more because it's it's good fun. It baffles me that you're playing just piddly live service games when you haven't put any more time into Elden Ring. It's a different sort of thing. I know, I know. Elden Ring's been sat by my TV, so I haven't put it in the good. shelf. That's like the real death knell for a game. <laughs> like As soon as it goes back in the shelf, it's very hard to get it out again. And Elden Ring is still sat underneath the television, but it's a level of kind of focus and it gives me a level of stress that I haven't pushed through yet. And because I've left it a few weeks now, I know in my head it's like, I don't even know what button hit is. I don't know how to jump anymore. <laughs> like all this stuff is going to take a bit. And you didn't even know what the run button was anyway. <laughs> but it's all going to take time to relearn and it's difficult to see how I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying no, but it's going to take a real push, I think. I can do that. That wasn't a threat. <laughs> Come down, give me a physical push. Yeah, I mean, I'll sit with you and get you back on track. Yeah, that's um. what I need. That's what I need. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to mention from this week, Evercade just announced a new handheld and it is a revision called the EXP, I guess the Evercade experience. And it looks really nice. It's sleeker. It's a more premium design than the original handheld, which felt quite kind of playful and a bit like a toy. And it now has this cool hardware feature to spin the screen 90 degrees, essentially, to allow you to play like the vertical arcade games that they've been releasing more and more. Nice. So it's got physical buttons that are oriented to play that way around, which is just a, a nice little concession to the fact that not all arcade games are the same. They've also announced a couple new arcade collections for the winter. The first is a set centered around the arcade developer Irem, who were most famous for R-Type, and that's included on the cartridge. And the second revolving around a developer called Towerplan, who were like a really legendary arcade shoot-em-up developer. So quite cool stuff, like not, not Sega, not Capcom, like massive names, but for what they represent, they both have kind of like a real storied history and a big collection of games to draw from. I've already got my pre-order in for kind of the, the founder's edition model of this handheld, just like I did with the Versus home console. But I do want to say, like, if there's anyone out there, I've mentioned this several times on the show before, who either likes retro games in general, who likes the idea of curated collections of games rather than just having a list of 50,000 inseparable ROMs, 
and who likes collecting physical media, I really recommend they take a look at the EXP. Because honestly, I think this small team is going from strength to strength. And every time I've read kind of any criticisms of like the handheld or of kind of, you know, the Evercade system in itself, I think people don't realise just how few people are involved in making this thing go. Like I've been part of their Discord for quite a while now, and there can't be more than 20 people on the team managing everything from kind of hardware to, to the emulation software to negotiating contracts with these different people. And it's just, it's remarkable that they've they've made as big a dent in kind of the industry as they have for being essentially just a little tiny, tiny group. So yeah, I do recommend it. I think people should check it out. And if that sounds appealing, stick your pre-order in because they, they won't last forever. Well, there we go. So, Bombshell... I had a really good time playing Jedi Fallen Order, and I completed it this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, I've been bitten by the Star War bug, the Star Bug. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure what the secret was to unlocking that enjoyment this time round. Perhaps it was the, you know, third time lucky situation. Perhaps it was being able to play it on the Steam Deck to pick it up and play it in, you know, slightly shorter bursts. Perhaps it was the meagre offerings of Star Wars franchise vomit that have been thrust my way in the last year or so, but I genuinely had a really good time with the game. Like, the quality of the gameplay was... was well, that, that was never up for debate, because I really liked how the game felt. It's got really good combat. It's got this general Souls-like structure with checkpoints and respawning enemies, but it's also got this proper Metroidvania overarching structure, gating areas of the game off until you've learnt various abilities. It's also got really good action-adventure puzzle platforming, and sections of the game have, like, big, like, 3D physics-y puzzle-type things that you would get in like a modern Tomb Raider game. It's really, really good. The story and the writing really, really grew on me as the game progressed as well. Fortunately, your main character does go through a sort of growing up, making his sort of swaggering arrogance of the early game <laughs> more short-lived than I feared. Yeah. And it's, it's a really well-written arc, coupled with a wider story that's really interesting. Like, I think this is like the key to making Star Wars enjoyable at this point, especially if they're going to stay within the skywalker saga time bracket and that's like picking a time within that but not relying on key characters from that series to carry it because their stories have all been told and any gaps that could be identified in the timeline relating to them there's a reason why those weren't explored in the trilogies so having adjacent stories with new characters is really really good because you can have moments in time that you know happen or have happened but you're experiencing them through a totally different lens like I think I said last week that the, the time period of Fallen Order is the same as what's being told in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series at the moment. And I can tell you, the story in Fallen Order is infinitely more compelling and is a story <laughs> worth being told. Whereas in the Kenobi show, they're just retrofitting a bit of action into a time period to try and excuse their continual nostalgia baiting. There's been talk of Cal, who's the, the main character in Fallen Order. There's been talk of him rocking up in the Kenobi show, which would be easily done because the character bears the actor's likeness to a T and they could just pop him in and, you know, they are existing at this same time period in the same world. But I'd rather they just didn't muddy Fallen Order's story with that, to be honest, like with this obsessive need to link everything together, especially as like the sequel for Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor, has just been announced and... You know, I'm really looking forward now to seeing where this story goes next. 
And I'm also looking forward to an updated version of this game and playing it on the PS5 in all of its shiny glory. Because Shiny, shiny. Like, even though I said last week that there were moments the Steam Deck just it looked incredible, like better than anything I'd played, there were also moments <laughs> where um, it really, really struggled. Like anything involving fog or mist or underwater stuff uh, looked like absolute bunk. <laughs> and <laughs> a sequel will also be a nice opportunity to implement some quality of life improvements to the game as well, which would make it even more enjoyable to play just like being able to skip through dialogue and you know sort of cut scenes or just a, a more visible map system or being able to warp around on planets a less squeezy throughy corridor moments stuff like that that's clearly in there to help with loading times that will be eliminated on the ps5 so i think i think jedi survivor could be a really outstanding game and a real highlight in the star wars franchise if it continues to build on on what it's done here so uh yeah it's finally had two thumbs up from me and yeah i can honestly say i had a really good time with it and i'm, I'm certainly glad that you know i only paid 3.99 for a month of ea play so i could play it especially given the fact that i'd, I'd already bought it twice on the playstation um, <laughs> <laughs> and not enjoyed it but yeah i'm really really glad to have found that yeah i went straight from that into watching the original star wars trilogy over the last few days and that's just been a nice nice nostalgia trip and keeping it separate just keep it separate. You don't need to just make everything overlap, for goodness sake. <laughs> Where does Fallen Order place, like, in, in the canon? Timeline-wise. Yeah. So it's after the prequel trilogy, and so at the end of the prequel trilogy, Palpatine, the Emperor, executes Order 66, which is basically kills all of the Jedi, and, like, the few Jedi that managed to escape that went on the run, went into hiding. And Cal is one of those. He was a he was a youngling during Order sixty six, so he's basically just been in hiding and keeping his powers under wraps for quite a few years. And yeah, that's where the Kenobi series has picked up as well. He's like been in in hiding for ten years, and there's still another ten years before he pops out and says, "Ah, oh, Luke, hello there." Oh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's an interesting period of time, you know, especially for like you know these these Jedi who are being hunted. Fallen Order just explores it really, really well and like the impact of that and all of the implications that come with it. Fair play. So I've got a game lined up. Well, I've actually started playing a game, actually. Uh, it's a brand new game that's just come out called Card Shark. Oh, I've heard about that. I've been really looking forward to playing it ever since I saw it in oh, probably some indie direct or Nintendo indie, because I think it's on the Switch as well. It is, yeah. It's the new game from the developer Nereal, who have done the Reigns games on mobile and on other things as well now. Good games. Uh, which are like the historical monarch simulators controlled through Tinder mechanics of swiping left and right to make decisions. Brilliant, genius concept. And and also very witty and entertaining and uh, i've played about an hour or so of card shark and it seems to have a similar sort of wit and sense of style to it and it's a very difficult game to describe it's set in france in the 1700s and you are a mute peasant who basically learns card tricks like real life like sleight of hand card tricks to cheat your way through to the top of society through various high stakes gambling scenarios <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean so far like the game feels almost like a series of like connected warioware style micro games which 
I realise are just like quick time events, essentially. Press the right buttons at the right time to succeed. But it's it absolutely brilliantly employed here in Card Shark. And I've already like laughed out loud in the first, you know, sort of hour of the game several times. It's very, very clever. You're learning button combinations that basically allow you to perform sleight of hand tricks. And pulling it off is very, very satisfying in the same way that it would be when you, you know, pull off just a, a good combo in a game or, you know, like I said, get through like a WarioWare micro game. And then that sort of coupled with the tension of high stakes gambling, trying to sort of control your behaviour so that people don't get too suspicious and you try and juggle like a couple of things at once. It's just brilliant. Like it's, I'm, there's not a game like it. It's, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it so far and I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more of it. And uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on, on how I get on. But so far very very good game top stuff it sounds intriguing i think i might have a little look and see if i could play it or at least wait for you to offer more in-depth analysis so this week i've played a new open world game called climbing the tallest mountain in south wales to get away from the platy tubes ah <laughs> uh, yes love that, love that one yeah, oh, yeah absolute classic head on over to our twitter page for a tongue-in-cheek look at my adventures there i will be unpacking that a little bit further on our website so do look out for that in the next uh, few days i'm very excited to dive into some uh, some fun thoughts there in terms of actual video games well, we've got my in-laws staying with us uh, for a fortnight, so gaming sessions aren't the uh, aren't the highest priority at the moment. I have, however, enjoyed a little Switch action as everybody watches Gardener's World and Pointless and the like. <laughs> so, here we go. Digimon Vital Bracelet Progress is coming on well. Climbing Penny Van helped me clear the final stage of Adventure Mode on the Black War Greymon card. Oh, well done, you. Thank you. Stage 15 takes 2,500 steps before the final boss of the card pops up for you to fight and then, if you beat him, unlock. On that one climb, I redid that final stage uh, six times <laughs> before winning. Outside of getting your Digimon to the appropriate level and making sure it's the strongest in the type matchup, there's quite a bit of randomness as to whether you're actually going to win. So each battle is divided into five mini-battles, with each Digimon getting to make one out of five critical hits. So it's basically five coin tosses, and one coin has been sharpened. <laughs> <laughs> I did beat the card in the nick of time, though, so I got the win literally as we were driving away. <laughs> I won an Amazon voucher at work earlier this week, so I decided to get a few new cards to put in when I'm finished with this one. I mean, summer's coming. It's prime walking weather. It is. Speaking of walking, I am plodding along still with Slime Rancher. Uh, ah. Last time we spoke, I'd accidentally let my ranch fall into the hands of the uh, of the tar slimes by letting my boom slimes get very unhappy, blowing up, blowing all of their plorts into the other slime corrals, letting those slimes eat those plorts, and just every single one of my slimes turning into evil slimes, basically. Dreadful. So You hate to see it. Yeah, yeah. So... My corrals were laid bare, and you know, following a big old shoot what was once my charming livestock into the sea session, I have been mixing up combinations uh, this time, so I've got some new Larjos, which I'm quite pleased with. Lovely pink one with sort of a, a nice flowery hat, which I was quite taken with. I've nearly reached the top rank, though, so making as much money as I can off of these, off of these poops and plorts isn't top priority anymore um, so I'm scooping the cream off to use them as materials for research decorations mining tools and other bits of fancy tech to make uh, ranching a bit more streamlined I've been slowly scraping away at some features which 
passed me by as well. So I'm really enjoying a new game mode that I've unlocked with one of these supporting characters you meet on your journey, which I think if this new game mode was in the new Pokemon game, I think it would absolutely whip ass. <laughs> it's really, really good fun. Like, you know how in Pokemon Go, sometimes you'll find a Ditto? Oh, yes. It's like that, but cranked up. And it's it's great fun. It's really, really good fun. It's like a little self-contained adventure. And instead of having just a hard time limit, this alternate world that you're in just starts to break down and you've got to weigh up whether you can find more of these ditto type slimes or whether you'll be able to actually escape in time before the whole world collapses. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, thrilling. All the new game modes are offered by the people you can visit are really, really fun. And it's a it's just a really nice way to break up the general gameplay. I think it's I think it's really great. Really, really enjoying it. Very good. Very good. I've also been playing The Punishment Jew which is an add-on for, you guessed it, Quake. Oh, Fairly new five-level pack that was released last year, actually, 2021, and it's absolutely fucking insane. <laughs> I thought the last add-on that I played, which I think was called Terror, I thought at the time that, that took the top spot for expansive, creative, long-form levels, but Punishment Jew takes everything good from, well, I mean, just quake level design in general and gives us five incredibly punishing levels i i get frustrated sometimes with some of these level packs more so in doom than quake i will say but so much of the difficulty is reliant on the balance between the mobs of enemies and their placement alongside ammo management i'd frequently run out of ammo playing some of the add-ons for doom like back to saturn x or syringe just like spraying bullets everywhere, just hoping that they'll hit something, snatching up every pickup I can in the map and just hitting an incredibly violent roadblock about halfway through the level because I'm up against a legion of demons with nothing but my fists. (laughs) I don't really see it that much in Quake and even less so in the Punishment Jew because this add-on has respawning pickups. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a tiny decision that really helps keep things fun. Like the larger levels, they loop back on each other. So as you grab keys from the west point, you head back and you unlock the key to open up the east point and so on and so forth. It's fantastic. You keep going back and forth, back and forth. And this central point has a few little respawning pickups alongside the big gates that you unlock after you get all the MacGuffins, which takes you through to the final fight of the level. It's great, you go into each gauntlet on each side of the map with a straightened back because you know you've got a health pack and a few ammo boxes waiting for you when you come back victorious. It's an inspired choice. The blurb tells you to save quickly and save often and the respawning resources, uh, that just stops you getting pissed off because you've run out of ammo halfway through the level and you quick save too recently to retroactively manage your ammo. I'm on level four at the moment. And I've got one button out of ten left to press before what I assume is the final fight of the level. But I've also got about 150 enemies left, so... Uh, normally that would be a daunting number, like, for a final fight, but now it's exciting, because I'm just... I'm going to go in, literally, guns blazing, and just utterly leather everything. Bring on the final level. Booyah! And bring on the next level pack. Ooh! Uh, That's I believe they say. Sounds great fun. Great fun. So, we've come to the point in the show... Where we do what we always do, and that is amend our lists. Chris is up this week. Chris, tell us what game is going into your top 100 favourite video games of all time list. And, equally as importantly, tell us what is leaving. Well, I'm going to say, 
I like a puzzle game, me. And one of you is going to say... Famously. (laughs) I do like a puzzle game. You do, yeah. The puzzle games I mean aren't necessarily things like The Witness, which obviously I love more than almost any game, but that I would probably classify more as a puzzle adventure, I guess. What was that term that you sent me the other day? Metroidbrainia. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's very so good. good. Wowie. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, genius. I didn't come up with it. I can't take that credit, but yeah, it's a good one. Oh, well, I don't like it anymore then. But no, the puzzle games I'm talking about are things like Tetris or Lumines or, or Zuma, like anything where you're organising shapes or colours and playing for a combination of survival and score. That's that's what I really enjoy. And the best modern puzzle game I have played by a quite considerable margin is Capybara Games' breakout Apple Arcade hit, Grindstone. Hey, nice. What a game. What a game. (laughs) Now, when Apple Arcade first launched, I excitedly signed up for a subscription for my aging iPad. And I'm not a big touchscreen gamer, but there was some good stuff in there. And after the initial excitement kind of waned a bit for me, I dropped off of using the service properly after maybe a couple months but I felt I had to keep my subscription rolling for the best part of a year just to play Grindstone. And when it got announced for the Switch after its period of of Apple exclusivity ended, I was properly overjoyed (laughs) because for one, it meant I'd be able to play the game on a system I actually enjoyed using. And for two, I could just pay a flat rate of 15 quid or whatever, rather than being squeezed monthly for a subscription I'd only kept alive for a single game. Like, I know this is very much a me problem. I could have played other stuff, but I just couldn't get excited when new games dropped, even if they looked really cool. Like, as an example, Clap Hands Golf. I loved everybody's golf, but I didn't want to play its pseudo-sequel on a touchscreen or with a controller tethered by Bluetooth yeah. as I was balancing my iPad on my knees. Yeah. Like, it just, it takes the fun away for me. Grindstone got away with it because I guess, you know, it had a touchscreen interface. It made sense to play it like that, but, you know... It didn't do it for me, even though I paid into it for a very long time. So, Grindstone. You're a little dude that has to make his way to the exit of a stage. Every stage is presented as a grid, standardised shapes to begin with, uh, and then kind of very soon obstacles mean that direct traverse will become a little bit trickier. Every space in the grid is filled with either enemies or other kind of hindrances, and you move as many spaces as you can during a turn, in any of the eight cardinal or ordinal directions, providing you're doing so across a chain of light-coloured enemies. So it's quite a simple setup once you kind of have it in front of you and see what you've been asked to do. And that means in early stages, when the grid is mainly split between two or three enemy colours, for example, you can really easily make a big combo of 10 or 15 baddies each turn. You quickly meet the stage requirement of taking down 30, 40, 50 enemies total to unlock the door, and then you just leave at the top of the stage, no problem. Easy peasy. But very, very quickly, the game starts adding in additional complications. And that's what gives the game its bite and makes it far more addictive. So once you've played for a little bit, after a few turns, enemies will start to become enraged one by one. And then that means that when you end your turn, if you are stood next to one of these angry boys, you're going to take damage. And that further kind of like adapts and makes you change the approach you take through the stage because you can't just get the biggest combo every time if that means you're not ending in a safe space. Obstacles are added too, and they count as kind of neutral colours, meaning that they can be added in a chain of any colour, but they can only be kind of cut through if your combo is already at a certain number. So a little box might need a combo of five to take you through it, and then when you smash through, your combo is reduced in number, so the five is taken away. So again, you're thinking and kind of managing how you're getting through this grid each time to kind of keep your score as high as possible. 
Finally, and most importantly, really, making combos of 10 or more will create the titular grindstone of the title. And that's a shiny little gem that when you include it in a combo chain, it allows you to then change the color of your chain mid-flow. And mastering that mechanic in particular is the true chef's kiss special source of this game. Because being able to kind of put together these tremendous chains is, oh, it's, it's a tasty morsel. It's not uncommon a handful of stages into this game to be masterminding combos of 20, 25, 30 enemies in one turn. And the way that the game lets you plan these out before then letting things rip like a pool toy, hands-free, with just deliriously good visual and audio cues, it might honestly be be better than sex. <laughs> it's, it's, one, it's one of the best feelings I think I've ever had in my life. And... <laughs> Game feel is such an important part of design. Like a game can be mechanically sound, but without the right sort of feedback and feel, your efforts on screen can just feel weightless or pointless. And, you know, you've got classic Nintendo examples, the hit stun in Zelda. Genius. That split second pause that makes an attack actually feel like it's hit something. Or the animation work in a Mario title that makes just jumping feel really satisfying because there is a sense of impact to it. These are audio-visual markers that provide a dopamine hit essentially and make Nintendo's first party stuff satisfying to play but I think Grindstone might actually be the king of this sort of feedback because I know I've mentioned before when I was playing this a lot when I play this game sat on the couch next to Georgia I can't help but get her attention before a big chain (laughs) because they make me feel giddy like I want to share I want to share the whole thing with someone and I want desperately for her to kind of turn around and see this hyper colorful glow of, of a like a huge screen clearing setup because to me it just feels unreal and and maybe she doesn't care at all but i really really love it <laughs> grindstone is, is a title that i bought digitally as soon as i was able to on the switch and then i bought it physically as soon as i was able to when that was announced for the switch as well <laughs> and that in isolation is not really that notable for me you know i buy a lot of physical stuff i replace digital stuff all the time but grindstone sits outside of my usual habits because generally my rule is once i get my physical copy of a game i delete the digital copy it's like i I like the process of putting the cartridge in and it being you know i've I've chosen to play this game and everything else but for grindstone it's one of the only games that i own twice like that that i've kept the digital game on my switch because i never want to be in a place where i don't have instantaneous access to this (laughs) give me a switch that has tetris and grindstone on it and i will forever be a happy lad (laughs) that'll do me on a desert island. That, that's the two things I think could really keep me going, just alternating between the two. The game is massive. Not that long ago, I guess a, a year or so out, it got a big update that added some new enemies, new stages, new ideas, new power-ups, new bosses, new hats even, that you unlocked with little daily challenges. And it's a big time. It's a good time. I really do think if anyone is unsold on the idea or if they can't quite visualise kind of what I've explained as the idea being, watch a little footage wait for a sale if you're worried but do jump in or if you've got apple arcade give it a try on there because honestly there's few games i think that are as worth full price as this one and taking me as an extreme example considering my year of apple arcade at five pound a monthly pop then my digital switch purchase then my physical switch purchase and vinyl soundtrack shipped from the usa (laughs) grindstone must have cost me like 150 quid at this stage (laughs) and it's honestly worth it to me it really is worth it so, to my list, I'm not enjoying taking games off anymore. There was a time early on where it was like, ah, you know, it's okay. I suppose that, that falls outside. But I don't really believe any of the games I'm binning anymore are necessarily worse than others. I know the games I'm wanting to put in are just better. 
<laughs> so it just it has that kind of trickle down cascade but it's still really hard to justify that this week I'm going to bin Rocket Knight Adventures on the Mega Drive yeah. so that's the game that is going to go and sit on the naughty step and think about what it's done <laughs> because looking through the list I knew I was probably going to get rid of a 16-bit title it was a toss-up then between this and Quackshot and I guess Donald Duck won out only because it's mechanically and structurally different to something like Gunstar Heroes Whereas Rocket Knight is essentially in service to Gunstar Heroes. It's a very similar genre piece. A quack shot you could say is kind of a soft Metroidvania for the time because you need to backtrack through stages with new items to unlock other stages and pathways. And I think to have a bit of variation on the list is good. It is a 10 out of 10 platform action game, Rocket Knight, but Grindstone is an 11 if, if I have to kind of classify it. <laughs> Grindstone has to go pretty high. I think mid-twenties at the moment. Wow. It's going to go a few below Peggle, which is another puzzle game that nails its feel because Ode to Joy at the end of every single stage in Peggle is almost the equivalent of the 30 enemy chain that takes you straight to the exit in Grindstone. <laughs> they're, they're both just yeah. masterful bits of work, just extremely well-designed and beautiful to look at in those times as well. You know, we talk about Babylon's Fall having a, a really just unsure art style and aesthetic throughout. And yet something as simple as Grindstone made on, you know, a much, much smaller budget, a much, much smaller team is infinitely nicer to look at and play. It's a good one. And everyone should play it. Well, we played it, didn't we, Minty? You both did. I yeah. play it. Yes, yes. It's very, very good. I think you're absolutely right that it is one of the best feeling games to play. Yeah. It's startling and it's very difficult to describe just that level of satisfaction that you get from all the things that you you just talked about it's still on my phone and i've got it on the switch as well it just scratches a very particular itch it really does it's genius it's absolutely brilliant and uh, it's going in my list as well oh double bubble yes that's right double bubble toil and trouble fire burn and grindstone is in my list <laughs> <laughs> Such a poet. <laughs> I know. Such a, a beautiful wordsmith. I know, I know. It's not going to go quite as high as it has for you, because it doesn't quite ring the same level of poignancy. But Grindstone, I reckon, is probably going to go somewhere in the 70s or 80s, something something like that. Alongside something like The End is Nigh, and WarioWare, yeah. and Papers, Please. Yeah, that feels like the right sort of company for it. Means I've got to get rid of a game. That's the rules. Them's the rules. Let's have a look. Uh... Them's the rules. That's the rub. Um, I've got a list of games that I think are slated for removal. And looking at them, I don't want to get rid of any of them. Park. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. The annoying thing about looking at this list, not only do I not want to get rid of any of them, I'm going to have to get rid of all of them. (laughs) Um, And so it doesn't really matter what I pick. I, okay, yeah, I'm going to go puzzle game for a puzzle game, and I'm very sadly going to get rid of Picross 3D. Oh. I know, which is a wonderful game, and also it does mean that there's no Picross representative on my list at all now. That's terrible. It doesn't reflect my uh, my value of the series at all, because I love it. I love it dearly. <laughs> oh. Are you sure? Are you sure? Honestly, it's like... I mean, you should look at the games that are still yet to come off my list. It's the same Half as you. Two. It's like... <laughs> yeah obviously that's coming off but I think I look at the games even like in the 90s 
I mean, Portal 2 is down there, yeah. and that's one of the best games you can play. It's like, you know... 100's not enough, is it? I think we've kneecapped ourselves with this format, because 100 seemed absolutely massive, and now each week when I'm looking at a list of 100 games, it's like, mm. I like more games than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like more games than that. Yeah. There we go. Picross 3D out, grindstone in. Bosh. Minty? Well, I'm not putting it in my list. Um, <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like it. Very good puzzler. Almost sexually satisfying. <laughs> yeah. And you can get a yeah. nice big combo up. Even more so when you can get a nice big combo up that gets the key, the treasure chest, and that king fucker that gives you the crown in one go. Oh. Now that, mm. Yeah, that's like full on stroking an erection as you set those yeah, up. Talk about creme de la creme. Goodness me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not as good as Turok, is it? Oh, well, no. No, absolutely not. No. 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 I mean, that one has dinosaurs. Hard for Turok. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeez, I'm not, <laughs> not a fan of where this has gone. Anywho, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Really like the aesthetic of it. Really like those nice, gentle, cartoony vibes. Everything sort of... Probably not the right word for it, but everything's sort of floppy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Nobody's got any elbows. Yeah, yeah. The game may be flaccid, but I am rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely editing this one now, Chris. <laughs> I'm not listening to this again. <laughs> My favourite idle animation in Grindstone is the little yellow fella who just sort of closes his eyes and sways side to side. There are some really lovely little animations. Um, almost makes you feel bad killing him. Almost. Yeah, almost. Until you get that nice big combo and you jib them into like weirdly tasty looking cubes of cartoon meat. Oh, I know, actually. That is... Yeah? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Man, this game is... Something else. Ooh. Yeah, those are my thoughts. Right. So, there we go. That is Chris's amendment for this week, and it was... Grindstone. Uh, also was on also was on my list why not if you enjoyed this episode or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes please do share the podcast on your social media leave us a review on whatever you're listening to us on and tell a friend about it also you can check out our website o3c.games read our articles share them on social media hop over to the support page if you fancy throwing a bit of cash our way we'd very much appreciate it or if you just want to, uh, to get engaged with us you can find us on all our social media platforms at o3c games you can find us individually as well i'm on twitter at jonathan dunn i am at chats underscore hodges i'm clement underscore boo boo and please do join us next week where i will be amending my list even further bing bong and now a word from our sponsor and now a word from our sponsor and now a word from our sponsor Hey, Joe, Brandon, do you want to review everything? No, yes. no, 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 hang on. That sounds like a lot of work. It's not. What do you mean? Yeah, it's not. Podfred Review, the podcast where we review everything and anything and get lost along the way. Find this podcast and more on the HyperX Podcast Network. Video Death Loop is a show where we watch a short clip on loop until one or both of us can't take it anymore. Each week, one of us picks out a video the other does not know about to their dismay. Video game cutscenes, TV show openings, music videos, and occasional horse videos are just some of the clips we've ran and we're five seasons in. Check us out every Friday. 
Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers as well as online at Target, Best Buy and Amazon. Or you can shop for them directly at HyperX.com and HP.com.